Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of But Am I Rung? Rung? Am I hung? Like you hang stuff on? Exactly. Welcome to Am I Hung, where we have a dick size contest. Who is more hung? You or me? Mm -hmm. I feel like if I had a penis, it would be like a like a pencil dick, like a long skinny one. I feel like mine would be like thick. Maybe we're just going based off of our current body type. Yep. <laughs> You're like, mine would be thick like an ass. And mm-hmm. mine is like, oh, uh, think of a grasshopper's leg. <laughs> a, a, a kebab skewer. That's um the vibe. Welcome back to But Am I Wrong, a podcast on two people who coincidentally have never, ever been wrong. My name is Megan. I'm joined by co-host, producer, and the baddest bitch in the world. I love that. What an introduction. Melissa Melissa. Di- oh, I was going to give you the diamond. 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 I gave sparkle, you sparkle, the sparkle. D instead. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> Which D would I prefer? It depends on the day. I'd like both, personally. Okay. So, um, yeah, this is a podcast where we share things in our life, hot takes. We pitch them to each other, and we decide if we were in the wrong or not. And then we also read messages and emails from you all telling things that have happened in your life recently or in the past where you're trying to figure out if you are in the wrong then we nominate our Rachel of the Week, a.k.a. But Are They Wrong, where um, it's exactly how it sounds. We're nominating celebrities, current events, pop culture, things that are happening in the world, and we decide if they are the absolute worst. And actually, no, we, we're, we're nominating them because they're the absolute worst. And then you vote on our Instagram for all of the above. We post stories and we add them to our highlights where you get to vote who you think was wrong in each situation. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. We're going to read the results from last week. These episodes come out on Thursdays. So I try to have the voting up by Friday to give you some time to listen to the episode. But if it's not up on Friday, it's going to be up before Monday. And the best way to know when it's up is to follow us. It's by.megan.and.melissa, which was definitely supposed to be a temporary name, but we came up with a better name for a pot for an Instagram handle to encompass both of our podcasts in our future endeavors. We haven't yet. If anyone has any ideas, let us know. Just know that between Eminem the rapper and Eminem the candy brand, uh, we are strapped. <laughs> it's fucking hard. <sighs> so yeah, again, I always add them to the highlight. So make sure you're voting through the highlight because sometimes they just don't all pop up in the stories that way. So, do you want to kick us off? All right. So, the first one was Melissa versus Dinosaurs or Fan Fiction. Just for anyone, in case you didn't listen, <laughs> I do believe in dinosaurs. I just believe the way that it's taught is fan fiction. Melissa, so. I believe in dinosaurs, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, 7% said I was wrong. 93% said I was not wrong. Got a lot of feedback on this. A lot of people agreed with me. 
I didn't get the only person that came back with an argument was somebody that's in our Patreon that was in the live stream. And she came in hot. Oh, she had facts. Mm-hmm. She had theories because I oh, looked okay. them up. <laughs> so, I trust um, her. So she came in hot. She's like, I'm only here because I have thoughts on this and I'm tired. I'm going to sleep after this. First one was that dinosaurs do fly. She was like, well, first she said that pterodactyls did fly. And I said, yeah, they flew. But pterodactyls are not classified as dinosaurs. And then she also was talking about T-Rex arms and how they were used as like in fighting and then got knocked off. Which that is one person's theory. I looked it up because I do like to have, you know, a rousing debate with people. So I looked it up and that's just one person's theory out of many theories that people have. And a lot of people actually don't agree with him. Mm. They Some people said that they were used for mating, but that actually like for the male dinosaurs to hold the females down. But the female dinosaurs also had the same arm. So that doesn't make sense. Some people said they're like ostrich wings where like they don't fly. There's just a lot of theories. So... I looked into it. I'm open to discussion, but I was not wrong in what I said. It's just one of many theories, hmm. which goes back to what I said of dinosaurs or fan fiction. Literally, the, literally choose your own adventure. Uh-huh. I think she also did say that like they got in the w- they like attack with their mouths. So they had to like mm-hmm. they were getting in the way. So they became small. My one thing I was thinking about more about the wings. So I... <laughs> believe in evolution. I don't know why I'm laughing. I think it's just because like we keep having to reiterate like I believe in dinosaurs and I'm Uh like feeling like I I believe in evolution. But I do wonder, like I know that it's come from like certain animals and stuff like they're, well, I forget what it's called because science is not my strong suit. But when certain iterations, like generations later, like these animals and things adapt. So it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, like now we're having legs so we can walk on here. But also then there's like mutations of like things that bred with each other and then it was never intentional. Okay, so if those are originally wings, were they bigger and then they got smaller or did they like never develop? Because like there's, if anyone believes that T-Rexes could fly with the ratio of like everything stays the same. Yeah, no one thinks that they actually could fly, but they think that how they're depicted and they're attached on the bodies is that it actually if you flip them they're like if you look at it if you flip yeah, no, them totally. it's more like a chicken wing but like did we think at some point that they were they flew previously and they had like bigger wings and it wasn't like what we think of T-Rexes now or did we think that the wings were going to get bigger and we were going to have these like giant like essentially the size of fucking blimps like flying around like that's a dragon and that's terrifying yeah. Well, it would have feathers, though. Yeah. Some of these questions that we bring up, I'm just like really glad that I sometimes I like wish we walked with dinosaurs. I know that didn't actually happen. Uh, (laughs) But there are other times when I think of them as like giant flying chickens. And I'm like, you know, what? I'm like really glad that that is not something that is like in my current group of fears and things that I actually might practically have to interact with one day. Yeah, I think we can just all wrap this up in one paleontologist his last name is Pant- Paddian. He said, no one knows. <laughs> no one knows. No. no one. That reminds me of that TikTok where the person was calling their friends and asking them, like, who is playing in the Super Bowl? And one of their friends was like, there's just no way to know. There's just, there's no way to know. And it was like, nobody knew. It was funny. Oh, that was one of my favorite bits of the podcast we've had in a while. And we're so happy to hear that it entertained so many of you because it mm-hmm. thoroughly entertained us. Yeah, a lot of people were, some people were like, I went to go see Jurassic World this weekend. That's all I could think about. So good on you for your timely choice. That's why I chose it. 
So everybody thank Melissa by following her on Instagram. (laughs) Okay, next up we have me versus changing gun control narrative to gun safety. 99% said I am not wrong and 1% said I was wrong. And the uh, three votes, I'm pretty sure all three of them said they voted wrong. And this was a week where people who have been on the chopping block, this was a week where we we trimmed. We snip snip. You might notice if you can no longer find our account, either you have been consistently voting wrong every single time since the podcast started and have never, ever sent us a message to correct yourself, or you were lost and you're welcome for redirecting you back to where you belong. Cheers. Cheers. Next, we have another very controversial one. <laughs> We've got writer number one versus Jay, the potato salad maker. Uh, 64% said the writer wrong was wrong and 36% said Jade was wrong. I also just don't think I noted in the original call that, you know, sometimes we tell stories or in the podcast specifically, you tell stories in a way that it's very clear your point of view and like what you feel and like the writer feels. And her naming the girl from work Jade is like that encompassed perfectly. Like I personally, I'm sure there is probably a nice Jade out there somewhere. I don't know one. I don't know one. And like that is like the unanimous name of what you name someone where you're like, I don't want you to like this girl. I'm trying to set her up for failure in this story by naming her Jade because most people that's like naming a Rebecca on this podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, or Rachel, Rachel. I uh, what I thought of was um, when I hear the word Jade, I think of something very woo woo like Mm. not saying there's anything wrong with being woo woo, but I just don't think of that of someone that's being woo woo as an expert potato salad maker. No. And I'd be shocked to find out that someone who lived through the Great Depression is named Jade, Mm -hmm. not their own personal Great Depression, but like, I mean, like historically. Right. Oh, okay. Next up, we have writer number two versus their husband that doesn't accept their pronouns, sexual or romantic orientation. 2% said the writer is wrong. 98% said the husband is wrong. This was one where we got a lot of messages from people who were very passionate about this one as well. So writer, if you are listening, nobody wants you to stay with your husband. Everybody wants you to have a much happier, fulfilled like truthful, honest life and experience. So someone did write in and said that if they felt like it was more nuanced and they don't think the husband was necessarily wrong and they got blocked. (laughs) Writer number three versus the goofy company that wants the employees to work on pride marketing, but don't do anything to celebrate marginalized people any other time of year. Who is wrong? 1% said the writer is wrong. 99% said the company is wrong. Facts. I mean, the 99%, not the 1%. Mm -hmm. Fuck the 1%. (laughs) Then we have writer number four versus boyfriend who had plans to go on vacation with his parents and won't go to a baby shower with the writer. 93% said the writer is wrong and 7% said the boyfriend is wrong, which I agree with that one. Makes sense to me. Wrong of the week. Marion Hammer, first female NRA president, setting the groundwork with how mass shootings are talked about. Who's wrong? 97% said Marion was wrong and 3% said Marion was not wrong. Ayo. We'll be definitely going through that 3% later. Okay. Then we have wrong of the week. My nomination was Kim Kardashian, Kris Jenner, Added to it is Gwyneth Paltrow. And then the footnote is Snoop Dogg. That one is a little too painful for me to come at. But specifically Kim Kardashian. 
for endorsing Rick Caruso. 99% said celebs endorsing Rick Caruso are wrong, and 1% said they are not wrong for endorsing Rick Caruso. And uh, if anyone is not in Los Angeles or has not heard the update, he did not unanimously win. Not unanimously. He did not get more than 50%. So, right? It's more than 50%. Mm -hmm. Whatever the number is, he didn't get it. So there'll be a runoff between him and Karen Bass. Yeah. We put our support behind Karen Bass. We did. And there's a lot. There were some other candidates who I was like learning about after the date and like later from there. But I'm not one who's like, politics are nuanced. But like in the in this case, they are. And for a city as large as Los Angeles, it's hard for smaller candidates to kind of get the screen time and therefore get the votes that they need to. So Karen Bass, everyone, if you live in L.A. City, Mm-hmm. Oh, and someone, people were saying that Kim Kardashian lives in Beverly Hills, and so therefore she could vote. Beverly Hills is its own city, so she can't. So she, there's, right. Beverly Hills is, that's how fucked up, Beverly Hills is in like the middle of Los Angeles, and they have their own jurisdiction for everything, which is why you will not find any people who are currently experiencing homelessness in Beverly Hills, because they just drive them out yeah. to other places of Los Angeles. So Beverly Hills can have their image of whatever they think it is. I think a lot of people think that Los Angeles County is the city of Los Angeles, but it's not. I mean, Beverly Hills has its own mayor. West Hollywood has its own mayor. Santa Monica, Culver City, like all those Mm -hmm. people, all those places are in the county of Los Angeles, but not the city of Los Angeles. And like some parts of like right outside, I'm pretty sure Palms is within L.A. City, not Culver City. So there, like, mm-hmm. there's no real logic behind it. Yeah. Culver City is weirdly shaped as it is. Yeah. Like it kind of skips a bit and then <laughs> makes it no one listening cares, but it's like a little boot that sticks out. Yeah. And so LA count LA City is huge and LA County is even bigger. And then you have all these mini cities within Los Angeles that have their own jurisdiction, which is when people like talk shit on like the politics of like Los Angeles, it's like, this is the liberal issue, blah, blah, blah. Like it's not how that like works. Like we Mm -hmm. don't have one governing body over this large city. So that is that. Uh, But moral of the story, Kim Kardashian cannot vote in Los Angeles city. So now it is time for But Am I Wrong? Where, like I said, we each say things that have happened in our life or hot takes. And we decide if the other is wrong. I'm all yours. All me. So this week I'm doing a hot take and it's on people who just are out here popping fireworks willy nilly. Yes. Fireworks are a pollutant of both the air and the sound. And I don't understand. In L.A. it's illegal. In a lot of cities, a lot of places, it's illegal because... One, global warming is very dry. And so fires happen. But two, also like fireworks are dangerous as fuck. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I only I think that professionals should be the only ones handling them. And when they handle them, it should be very far out, which if it's a professional, that's who's doing it far out and only on specific holidays. I don't know why people it hits June and people are just like, I'm just going to start putting off fireworks in the middle of the night. And why are you doing it so fucking late at night, too? I don't know about you, but where you are now, but around me, it's not even around me because I can see where it's coming from. It's coming from like the ocean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they're putting off fireworks 
every night starting at about 11 p.m. <laughs> and I'm trying, I'm on my new, like, trying to go to bed early so I can go get breakfast in the morning shit. And they're really, even the other day, I was up writing late and I couldn't concentrate because these fucking fireworks were going off. They also hurt animals, like animals start freaking out. You just don't care about people or animals and mm-hmm. fuck you. And vets. Not not veterinarians, but like PTSD. Yes, they veterans sound like too because of P- yeah, PTSD that goes along with that. First of all, I don't even get to reap the benefits because I can't see them. I just hear them constantly. Just like pew, 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 pop, pop, pop. But also like when I think this is a this is my conspiracy theory. I also think that people like who don't who aren't from here, who haven't lived here in a while, think that every time they hear a firework, it's gunshots. And they're like, yeah. LA is the most dangerous, unsafe when place. I, yeah. The crime, the violence. I'm like, that is a shitty backyard firework. Like, if it's stop. going, you can hear the, I don't actually, I don't even know what gunshots actually sound like. Different. No, I'll take that back. When I was, when I would go visit my grandmothers in the summertime, they were out in the country and people would just go out like on the 4th of July and shoot guns in the air. Why are we doing this? Because it looks pretty in this day and age, go inside and look at your fucking computer and pull up some fireworks somewhere that was done legally. Also, like, I won't lie. Like, I think fireworks are so pretty. I've loved them, like, since I was Mm -hmm. a kid. I can watch a video of them. And also, L.A. is not the place to do it. Our sky never gets fully dark. You do not have the contrast you need for it. And, like, why do you think that these professionals go on fucking docks in the water Mm -hmm. and set them up? And there's, like, every, like... If the last time I've seen it, it happens in July, it ramps up and you just start seeing people in the middle of the street just doing them. And yeah. you're like, I'm in my car and I'm like, should I reverse? Because like, right. you don't know what you're doing. You're you're 12. You're 11 mm-hmm. years old. It is loser behavior. Like, it's just right. stop. Stop. They're not even looking good. Because they're not good. They're- no. Fireworks, when they look good, like there's a cadence and a rhythm there. It tells a story. I feel if you're looking at it. Disneyland. But- being out here just in the middle of the street popping fireworks because you feel like it? Why? It's gas station sushi. Do it. I don't want that. It's sushi, sure, but no, not gas station sushi. Mm. You're not wrong. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Thank you. I have heard that the gas station sushi and like mall sushi in Hawaii is incredibly good. Of course it is. I mean, that's different. Absolutely different. So I just want to have that clear. And maybe on other places in the coast, maybe. But um, we're in California and I do not think maybe like Seattle gas station sushi wouldn't be as bad. But like not here. Not here. No. Okay. So my but am I wrong is um, a conversation that I have over and over and over again. But I had a much longer conversation about it this week. And that is people who come into my DMs and just do asterisk and correct my spelling with a word that I spelled wrong or a word that I uh, left out of a sentence or anything that's correcting grammar, even sometimes like pronunciation. If it's like some of the things with like pronunciation where I'm like, please definitely correct my spelling, my pronunciation if I'm talking about someone's name or if it's a cultural thing or like something Mm -hmm. like, but if it's something that like it's like a medical term or something that I said quickly that it's like somewhat pronounced kind of just stop. And it's just the asterisk and then the correct word that I said wrong or that I spelled wrong or that I miss you, whatever it is. And I posted every time this happens, I always like, do not correct my spelling. I'm not asking for you to correct my spelling. You can understand what I'm saying. And it's ableist. And like it, your intention is to make me feel like shit and you've succeeded. Like 
that's what that is, but you're hiding under the fact like, no, I'm just being helpful. And for the thousandth fucking time, it is not helpful unless somebody has asked for help. That's not helpful. That is like oppressive and uncalled for and fucked up. So I posted a screenshot after I told people like, stop fucking correcting my spelling. I didn't ask for it. It's ableist. Get a new personality trait. And so then I reposted a tweet from Patty Gallardo saying, since most of us have been raised in deeply ableist societies, this might be news to some of you. Correcting the spelling and grammar of someone who hasn't explicitly asked you for it is ableist. Folks with learning disabilities exist. It often is also a subtle form of racism. Mm -hmm. And I had wonderful conversations with people who are like, this really resonates with me. I have was in like speech therapy and people will just cut me off if I'm like stuttering or if I'm having trouble with a word. And that is nothing feels as belittling as someone being like, oh, I'm going to speak for you. Like you don't need your own voice. And I don't think that people who aren't disabled or don't have like learning disabilities or have like speech impediments or stutters understand like what that is. Like it's not helpful at all. And it's also classist and elitist because not everybody has access to the same education. And even if you have access to education, the system is in a way where parents and teachers have to like really come together to advocate for kids. And a lot of the times flags aren't raised with kids and they're not getting the proper help that they need. It took me until I think when we started the Patreon group to find out that kids with ADHD and students with ADHD got more time to finish their tests. And I was like, you got to come. What? Like, I had no idea. I also mm -hmm. didn't know until I was probably in college or maybe senior year of high school. I think it was when I finished the AP, my a first, my only AP test I ever took that I realized that people finished their tests. I was always graded on like probably 50% of my tests. Like I never realized that like people like would just finish that stuff. And that was something that I never did. And so I want to give, before I get into uh, a conversation I had with someone, which is the, there's no way I'm fucking wrong. And if you think I'm wrong, you're wrong, but I'm still going to do it. But I just want to say for anybody who has good faith questions about this, someone asked if the way that they wrote something completely changes the meaning of a sentence. Should you say something or not? And I said, if you can't understand what someone is saying, just ask for clarity. But assuming that you know better than them is the root issue. Unsolicited correction is always a problem, no matter the context. But saying, I don't totally understand what you mean by that. Could you explain? It's different. It's about giving people the opportunity to say their own words versus putting words in their mouth. And then this is from a totally different person. And that person was like very receptive. And you're going to die. This is not as bad as what was it? forget what the other person's name was who like literally sent me eugenics shit it's not that bad but it's like not good um and she said if you're able to post on instagram theoretically you could also have access to google where you could search the spelling of a word you're unsure of i don't think there's anything to gain by correcting someone's spelling or grammar i'm just confused as to how it correlates to being classist elitist ableist children who didn't have a great education still have access to the internet and can still google and I said, Google is not always accessible. The internet is not always accessible. Why should people with learning disabilities carry the burden of constantly conforming to a neurotypical world? Why is that the expectation in the standard? Why should English second language folks have to jump through hoops to not be corrected and rid ridiculed by monolinguals? Why is, and I should have said white, but I didn't. Why is white American vernacular English favored over African American vernacular English? Education isn't universal. I understand education isn't universal. You're not answering my question, though. If you have the means and ability to post on social media, you arguably have the same means and ability to search the spelling you're unsure about. No, I understand there's absolutely no need to correct anyone's spelling or grammar, but I'm just not seeing how it's ableist or racist if you have access to both social media and a tool to search your word. 
And I said, why should I be expected to do that? Asking disabled people to do more work to assimilate is ableist. Sometimes spell check doesn't work. Sometimes you cannot find the right combination of letters to even Google to find the result you're looking for. And sometimes you don't even realize something is spelled wrong. It's not as simple as just Google it. That's not how learning disabilities or neurodivergent brains work. And again, not everybody has access to social media and the quote unquote tools. Correcting someone's spelling when they have not consented is ableist and elitist and racist, and it might be all three depending on who you're speaking to. If you can perform all of the research that you personally share on the internet, you're capable of checking how to spell a word. Although I don't agree with someone who corrected you, it doesn't make any sense to call them ableist because you don't like what they said. I'm also not expecting anyone to even spell check their spelling at all. I'm just saying that you have the ability to if you're able to post on social media. Whether you do or not is besides the point. And then says like, I appreciate you responding at all. You challenge some of my views and it's tough, but I really enjoy your content. I realize how difficult it must be to have these conversations. You do a really good job at being respectful while getting your point across. Thank you. And I'm like, first of all, I didn't say this, but I'm like, good on me for just like tolerating your bullshit. And like, I'm the one being respectful when you're not at all. Like, fuck you. And I said, how is having access to spell check make something not ableist? In regards to you, you most definitely have access to spell check. So just because you choose not to use it, it doesn't give you the right to call them ableist. You personally have the ability and you just choose not to. If you post on the internet, you have access to spell check. In other circumstances, yes, it most could definitely be ableist, but no, not this one. Again, that's not how it works. I do not consciously post things that I know are spelled wrong. If I'm unsure of the spelling of something, I try to look it up. Sometimes I can't find it, so I spell it how it sounds to me. Sometimes spell check changes the word to another word, sometimes I mix up the letters and I don't recognize it. And sometimes I forget words or I just mix them up. It's not something you could just fix by Googling. I do not have the ability. It is literally a disability. Calling something it's their right to say something. It's no one's right to say something when you're just posting something as it is like in conversation. It's not their right to quote unquote call you out for that. That's not a right. No, that's an opinion. And it's just like total bullshit to be like, it is not ableist if you have access to things. That's like saying like if someone chooses to not use a wheelchair and instead to like use a walker and if there is not, or or, or they choose to do one form of tr motorized transportation or assisted transportation than the other. And one is not, one is not compatible with the location that they're at. And it's like, well, it's not ableist because you chose to use your wheelchair as opposed to like your walker or your cane. And therefore you had the choice. So it's not ableist. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then they said, those things also happen to me too. I hear you and understand what you're saying. I did not realize that that was a disability. I'm sorry, what? This is the same thing I've said since the beginning. And now you're being like, oh, me too. Like, so therefore... What? And I said, truthfully, this entire conversation has been so frustrating and validating and ableist. In the future, please don't argue with a disabled person when they say something is ableist. Saying that it can be solved, avoided, fixed by doing blank is not only not true, but an incredibly harmful narrative disabled people are constantly inundated with. I hope this implores you to consume content from disabled creators, educate yourself, and make the choices every day to unlearn your own ableism. I'm glad this was an educational process for you, but please recognize that that came at the expense of tolerating the invalidation and ableism. I really hope this is a turning point for your personal journey and these harmful conversations are a thing of the past. It just makes me so fucking mad because there is a way to receive new information to be like, oh, I didn't realize that that could be considered ableism. I mean, it's like when we first started doing this podcast and we would tell people to like, you know, check their grammar and spelling when they were sending in responses. And then someone said it was ableist, you know, like we accepted that we were being ableist. We checked ourselves and now we're moving on. Why do you have to sit there and argue with someone about their thoughts and feelings? 
And also, like, what do you gain from that? Like, yeah, that's exactly what, is, what I was what's, about to yeah. say. Like, what's the positive impact of, like, when you're correcting someone's spelling that has not asked for it, what is the positive impact here? If you're saying, I'm doing it to help you, and I'm like, hey, that doesn't help me, it's not positive, and it's like, oh, no, I actually don't care. I was lying when I said that I cared about it being a positive impact for you. I'm trying to be an asshole. That's like being like when you offer someone help and they're like, oh, I actually don't need help. And you're like, oh, great. Okay, cool. So sorry about that. As opposed to like, I'm going to help you instead because it was actually never about you. It's just fucked and it's really annoying. It's been really nice though to hear from a lot of uh, teachers and professionals in the education space who've said a lot of things have changed in the instance of like I talked about like peer grading and like peer reviewing and all of that. And yeah, it's just... If someone tells you that something is ableist, it is not hard for you to stop doing that. And the one thing that I last thing I will say on this is the people who then who defend it, they create the excuses for it of being like, I'm an editor. It's my job. That's something that's like really hard for me to turn off. I'm so sorry. Do doctors have a hard time not just drawing your blood? Like when they see someone walking down the street, do UFC fighters have a really hard time not punching someone in the face? Like, no, stop. Don't stop. It takes so much effort to sit there and click hit reply and then sit there and type and then hit send. There's a lot of steps to get there. You're choosing to do this. If you can't stop and think about something before you're doing it, then that's a problem on yourself. Like as far as if you're trying to quote unquote, correct someone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're an editor of a newspaper, whatever, you don't sit there and just correct things and direct and just send it right and you sit there correct it and then you go through it and make sure you got everything right and then you send it there's a thought process that goes with that and it's your job like you're off the clock stop working yeah stop no one asked you to do that so yeah it's like when if people are like Melissa you don't listen to a lot of other podcasts it's because like sometimes the quality is bad and or sometimes the quality is just not something I want to listen to. So guess what? I just don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. If this isn't delivered in a way that you want, don't interact with it. Yeah. You're not going to fix a learning disability. I'm sorry. I'm in my late 20s. Do you think that if I could spell, I would do it by like. But also like the things that you're posting that they're correcting your spelling on. They're just like things you're saying like in passing you know, like it's not my book. My editor corrected my book. Yeah. And so what is like they think that you're going to stop what you're doing and take that down and then repost it with the correction. Why? Like if it's confusing and it doesn't make sense, there's a way that people have been like, can you clarify? I didn't like sometimes I'll like accidentally repeat the same sentence and not the next one. And people are like, oh, I don't totally understand what this means. Or if I like include a wrong link to something or I say like that is like a helpful like, hey, but just the asterisk. I just don't know how you don't feel like an absolute dick. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you don't feel like ableist trash. Like, that's just like truly how it is. And especially because it's always followed by like an asterisk. Here's the correct word, LOL. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you for letting me know that you are like laughing at me. Because in this exact word, I was trying to say discretion. And I said, I spelled it with a G because that's how it sounds. And like, again, that's how my brain fucking works. And there is a word discretion with a G. And so that's what it, that's like the biggest culprit of things for me now that autocorrect exists. But boy, if you could see my fucking Facebook statuses, I get those like, thought, like year things. Like it breaks my heart. Like look at like, oh my God, like you, like I benefit from spell check so much. And that's something that like, I think it's great because it's really intuitive. And I do have access to Google to like Google things. And it's just really frustrating when people come at this as like a, 
you're lazy, you're not trying hard enough. I'm like, bitch, if you only knew how hard I'm trying and like there will still be errors. It's just so fucked. Like just mm-hmm. fuck right off. And like you said, go on with your life. This is taking you so much time and effort. And you're like, I'm going to go out of my way to make someone who has a learning disability, who has been like dealing with this their whole life, who without a doubt has so much trauma and shit from this. I'm going to go out of my way to not recognize the effort that they're putting into this and assumingly the effort that has gone into this over time. And I'm just going to try and make them feel this fucking small Mm -hmm. because they didn't do it well enough. They didn't do it up to my fucking standards. If you can understand me, that's all that fucking matters. And if someone is like learning English and it's their second language and they have asked you to correct them, the only time that you should correct their English is if they ask in every single situation, every single circumstance, every single conversation. One time is not a free pass. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have said that because they have like in-laws who are English second language. They're like, well, they've said that they want help. And I'm like, it's just really patronizing. I don't get why people just don't understand the exception. If someone specifically says that this is what I want, then that's the exception. If it doesn't apply, let it fly and move on. And also they can say that for one conversation where it's like, hey, I'm writing a letter to my boss or to like the city council or something. Like, could you look over this for corrections? That's not an invitation to pause them when they're speaking six months later and correct them. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's like the most disheartening thing ever. And it affects people, how they speak, public speak constantly. It's just, again, like nobody fucking chooses this. Nobody chooses to be a terrible speller in their late 20s. That's in, it, mm-hmm. it's there shouldn't be shame and embarrassment, but there is. And acting like it's a conscious choice and it's something to like laugh at and it's coming out of laziness is like legitimately the definition of ableism. Right. Like just fuck off. I mispronounce words all the time. And it's just like, and I know that about myself, but I don't need someone correcting me all the time. I pause and I look up how to hear words sometimes. We do but that's it not every on, yeah, day on but this that's podcast. not something that's I can't do that all the time. That's not something that's readily available. If you know what I'm saying, you get the just context clues around it. Just accept it and move on. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Now it's time <laughs> for uh, but are you wrong? Where we are going to read your email submissions. And you can send them on over to butamirongpod at gmail.com. We ask that you keep it under 300 words. If you are going to use names or like use pseudonyms, obviously it's all anonymous, but use real names. Like don't use like numbers or letters like friend A, friend B. Give some fake names. It's easier for us to follow that way. If you would like to let us know the pronouns of people involved, go for it. And we do ask that you include ages. It just tends to be the most helpful. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, Megan and Melissa, I, 23, she, her, have started dating a guy, Steve, 28, he, him, that I've known for a few years. And we met through a friend, a mutual friend, Lily, 28, she, her, someone he went to high school with and I worked with. When I first met Steve, we hooked up a few times, but nothing came of it back then. Later, Lily introduced me to her friend, Paige, 28, she, her. It turns out Paige used to hook up with Steve, too, and she really liked him at one point, but he didn't really feel the same way. The three of us started becoming better friends, although I was always closer to Lily and never hung out with Paige alone. Three years later, and I'm living with Lily. Paige has bought her own condo, and none of us talked to the friend group Steve is a part of. Steve and I matched on Bumble, and we ended up hanging out. I'm thinking... We are just going to hook up again, but we started talking and found out that we have both changed a lot since the last time we had seen each other about a year ago. We hung out again the next night and decided that we wanted to pursue a relationship. 
I decided I needed to tell Lily and Paige about Steve. Paige refused to talk to me. Lily is really upset with me and only talked to me because we live together. She says she can't trust me anymore and it feels like us versus them and I am choosing them. I assured her I am not and I have no plan to end our friendship because I am seeing Steve. <sighs> Oof. This is this is an interesting situation because I'm like, you hooked up with Steve first, right? It turns out Paige used to hook up with Steve, too. Yeah, but, like, I don't know the timeline of it, but you've already hooked up with Steve. Yeah, it wasn't, like, stopped ahead of time. Yeah, like, you've already hooked up with Steve. Now you're hooking up with him again, and Lily and Paige are mad at you because you're now seeing Steve. But you met Steve through Lily. Yeah, but, like, I don't I don't understand the problem because you've already hooked up before. So why do they care now? Because now it's no longer commiserating that like you both or not commiserating, but I think probably Paige thinking of you as both in the same position of like this didn't Being work in out. in the same position before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't think that you're wrong in this situation because you've already it, you're circling around back to the same person again. And like, were they in love with Steve? What's go I don't I don't see what the problem is now. Also, so Steve in your life came before. So the first person who came into your life was Lily. Then Lily introduced you to mm -hmm. Steve. Steve and you start hooking up. Then you meet Paige. And Paige has already previously hooked up with Steve. But like you don't owe anything to Paige. You don't know her. Your yeah. relationship with Steve, your relationship with Steve predates that. And why is Lily mad when she's the one that hooked you up with him to begin with? Why is Lily mad? Because Lily is 28. Like, I'm just going to say, like, the age difference between 23 and 28 is monumental. Like, this to me is like, when you're, you, you as a 23-year-old, this is definitely something that I think, like, oh, yeah, a group of 23-year-olds, and this is like, no shade, I, I've been 23, group of 23-year-olds, like, yeah, this is, this is the, this is the shit that happens. Of course, they're upset, like, of course, they're upset, like, you know, it, it comes into a lot of, like, you owe me this, you owe me this, but then it's like, oh, no, you're the only one who's 23, they're all 28, like, what? Mm -hmm. That's just, to me, is just... It feels like she's Lily's trying to save face with Paige and pretending that like she had no idea that you and him hooked up or something where it's like much more of a bigger betrayal because I think that Lily is culpable, if that's the right word, for bringing you and Steve together. And instead of owning up to that and then having Paige be mad at her, she would just rather be mad at you. And probably no one is talking to you and separating you from that group. So you can't be like, hey, you do know that like, I met Steve through Lily and like mm -hmm. she knew that we have hooked up before. Like, I think truly this seems really orchestrated by Lily to not look like the bad guy. So she's making you the bad guy and then keeping you away from Paige so she can't find out. What does Steve's friend group have to do with? Did I miss something? Hmm. I think it's maybe that like he was it's not like they all got over it and they were all like friends and stuff. And that it was just like a very separate interaction where you like meet on a dating app. So it's. It's not like you've been in each other's lives. Mm. The feelings can maybe were more bottled up and it's not like she alluded to get being over it or something. Yeah, this feels like not to be ages or anything. It just feels like immature behavior, but you're the youngest one out of all of them. Yeah. So I don't understand <laughs> why they're acting like this. No, I also have like a really big issue with like, if we are not my close friends, if you hooked up with someone, you dated someone like, I mean, we have a couple of crossover of like our type. And I think even if you dated them, 
I would no longer see them as like a sexual entity. Like that's mm-hmm. like the level of like my closeness of friendship. Like it no longer becomes like, you like have no genitalia. Like this is a, you are a Barbie. Like you are a Ken. Like you have nothing. Like these are bumps. Like ew, gross. Could never see you like that. You become like my sibling. Mm-hmm. And so I could never like do that. But if you are not at that spot, like that friendship with somebody and you've like already hooked up with someone, they've already hooked up with someone. It's just kind of like, I don't know why and maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but like, unless you're like my really close personal, like they're like my best friend. And like, I would never see this person like this. And I should see them like a non-sexual entity. Unless we're that level of closeness, the thing of being like, you can't date this person because I liked them and they didn't like me back is like so odd to me because I'm like, they didn't like you. You were never going to end up with them. It's very much like if I can't have it, nobody can. Mm-hmm. And that's so weird to me because, again, if we are close friends, that will happen naturally. You don't have to tell me that. And like shitty friends, sure. Shitty friends, steal your boyfriends, like do whatever. But like, no, what? Like you hooked up and he didn't like you that much. You liked him more. This isn't the person who broke your heart and has made me like think about him so differently because he's like a terrible person. Like it just... You weren't compatible and now I'm supposed to not date someone who I'm compatible with because you had like an unfulfilled crush that didn't mm-hmm. end up working out. That's like a, such an immature, that like literally happened to me in middle school. I'm like, that's like such an immature thought process to have. And I think it's just like very crystal clear that they're not your friends. Like, yeah, I think I've said this before, but Sydney and I went to, we had one mutual friend who like, she would always set us up with like her guy friends because she always had very, very cute guy friends. Shout out Gracie, love you. And when we went, Sydney was like telling me, she's like, you can like, like there's one guy that I really think is cute that I really like. So like anyone else go for it. But like he's the one I was like, oh, great, amazing. And then I like meet him and I was like, damn, he's like really cute. And like, we were talking a lot of the night, but I like was like, nope, nope, nope. And then at the end of the night, I was like, I'm so sorry. He like kind of cornered me. Like, I feel really bad. Like, and she was like, no, no, I'm over it. Like, I saw you together. Like, I love it. Like, go for it. Like, please, please, please. And she was like the biggest proponent in like for that. And we were fucking like 15. Like, that's just kind of like, that's good friends. I think there's no age like to show their true colors. But I think that immaturity will really show a shitty friend's true colors. You know? Mm-hmm. Agree. Final verdict for me, you're not wrong. Final verdict for me, you are not wrong. I think Lily's the most wrong. Yeah. Okay. Next up. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I have been with my partner for four and a half years. I use she, they pronouns, and my partner uses he, him pronouns. Everyone involved in the situation is in their mid-20s, and names have been changed for privacy. I met my partner, Mark, through Dennis, a mutual friend who has known my partner since high school. Their high school friend group is still intact and includes Mark, Dennis, Jack, and Ben. At this point, I have individual friendships with all of them. We have all hung out plenty, and they have stated that they view me as a friend independent of my partner. Important detail. My partner and I are permanently moving to a faraway country this summer. Ben currently lives in another state. He also adopted a foster dog of ours a few months ago, who I miss a lot and would love any opportunity to see. So the situation. Jack and Dennis reached out to Mark to gauge his interest in a trip to visit Ben this summer before we move. Mark asked me if I would want to go, and I was excited about the concept. Soon after this conversation, Jack tells Mark that he only wanted to include, quote-unquote, the boys in the trip and that I wasn't invited. I understand wanting to spend quality time with just the high school group, but this is a multi-day trip to a place that I like and I'm friends with the person that they're going to see— and the dog. I'm not typically one to complain about being left out, but we are moving thousands of miles away in a matter of months. Am I wrong for being upset that I'm specifically not invited to go on this trip? I am sensitive, so please be gentle. Thanks. I love you both. I mean, I think it's very natural that this would like hurt your feelings, but I also think sometimes things that hurt our feelings aren't explicitly wrong. 
You know, like I think things can hurt our feelings, whether it's the content of it, whether it's how the message is delivered, or also sometimes like things are just painful and like hurt our feelings and it's doesn't mean it's incorrect or or the wrong thing. So I mean, I, I think that if I was your partner, I wouldn't have immediately like invited you without talking to like the rest of the group of people, because I think I also think that like your partner is wrong in the sense of just assuming that you were invited because that puts your feelings in the mix. And that's really not fun. And I think if that had been avoided, I think if if your partner was like, oh, I'm taking a quote unquote boys trip this time, blah, blah, blah. I think it probably would have like hurt like to know that you're not you you weren't invited, but it wouldn't be this explicit invitation that then got taken away that was like, oh, don't invite her. So it wasn't like an explicit invitation was like, oh, don't invite them, you know? So I don't know if anyone else in the group has significant others or like long-term relationships or just relationships in general. But I think regardless, if you have independent friendships with these people, if it's a group of like four or five single people and then one couple, that is a little bit different and it doesn't change how they feel about you and like how close they are to you and your friendship. It just changes how the dynamic is. Even if you don't think you're very coupley or whatever, it is a little bit different. And I think especially when it's like high school friends, that's something that moving to a new country and you've been with your partner for four years, like that's definitely like a a long stretch of time. But there is something about kind of mourning the loss of like youth and childhood that comes with like friends that you like literally grew up with. And when people move away like that, there is something really like intense there. And I think maybe this will make you feel better. But I I do kind of think if you had gone, you might have felt like you were impeding a little bit on that. And that like it, it isn't just any other it isn't like any other trip because you're moving away. This is also like really about them as friends of being like this is like the end of an era, you know, and the era that predates you and not in a mean way. Yeah, I think the biggest thing what I got from this is they feel like if you go, then the dynamic will change of what's going on. And it can be hurtful, but sometimes you just get exclusive, excluded from things in life because people want to be around a certain group of friends. And I think that this is a rough lesson to learn, but like this is something that they want to do for them. And if you're the only like partner that's in the group, then that it just it it changes things and you and your partner you know like even if your intentions aren't to be like coupley at on this trip you're that's just how things are going to be and people you know like even if you don't mean to or realize it when you're around certain people the way that you interact and the way that you talk things change and they may feel like they need to hold their tongue. Not saying that this is necessarily right, but they might feel like they need to hold their tongue around you or they can't just like truly be themselves if you're there. And so I don't think that they're wrong in excluding you. That's just kind of how things are. And maybe like at another point you can do a different like going away thing or just like a final hangout with everyone. And if they have partners, they can come too. Yeah. I agree with that. Not every situation is for every single one. And that doesn't mean that those relationships mean any less. It's just every relationship is is different. And like you said, maybe it's not it's not even necessarily about, oh, we can't fully be ourselves. But it's like sometimes like it's just 
they're sitting around talking about like people you don't know and like just like all this high school like stuff like growing up stuff like childhood stuff these things that instead of being able to kind of just relish in them they have to invite you into the conversation and kind of like explain that Mm -hmm. catch you up and yeah I don't think there's anything wrong with that in other contexts like I think that that should happen when you're in those group settings but sometimes it's okay to like let people have separate friendships from your friend group and to kind of like foster those things and if you're not being invited, I usually think in these instances, and in this one specifically, it's doing you a favor because if they're not in the mindset of going out of their way to like include you in things, then you would have just naturally felt left out. And I think it's always better to, I'd rather just not go and not be invited to something than to go and to feel left out and to feel really like hurt in that or to know that like they're having to change their itinerary or like change things to like go out of their way to make me feel included when they have this relationship that predates me that doesn't impede on my relationship with them. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, it's not the exact same situation, but when we went to Palm Springs for your birthday and you and Sydney were like matching one day Mm -hmm. and I had, I was going to wear an outfit that day that was similar to y'all's and I changed it because I was like I that's and you you said like afterwards like we would have been fine with it but I was like but that's like y'all like you guys took pictures together that's your thing that's something you wanted to do that's not something that I'm going to impede on because that's y'all's relationship and sometimes it's also nice when when you take yourself out of it being like a personal attack where you could be Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh that's so sweet like look at that from Mm -hmm. like a place of being like I love these people and I love to see the people that I love like being happy and Mm -hmm. doing this. And like, I can be an active participant from like the sidelines and that doesn't affect my relationship with those Uh people. Yeah. Like I love seeing you guys interact with each other and taking your pictures and just knowing how you became friends and that's y'all's relationship. And me and you have our own relationship and nothing takes away from that. Yeah, I think those relationships are easier to kind of navigate once you're older and they're not made in friend groups or they're not made with attachments to partners because I think subconsciously we always will feel like a plus one, mm-hmm. you know, in, in those instances. And so not to give you some free advice because <laughs> this is not, don't blame me, but when you're moving, I would focus on finding independent friendships that you meet without other couples, you don't meet with your partner, like things you foster just yourself. And I think you'll find that that confidence in yourself and relationships will then translate to all of your relationships moving forward. Mm -hmm. All right. Shall we take a break? Yeesh. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time. And I just got my, I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a, 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 a secondary of my package. And I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function there, it's like elixir from the gods. I cannot sing their praises enough, specifically the cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious like it's it's so good i've even like had it on like ice and been like i'm drinking like a drink drink like you can throw a little straw in there and it's it's delicious it's so good and i just i love they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like you know medically need some electrolytes but also if you're working out if you're sweating hot summer day you're going to an amusement park you're on your feet for a long period of time all of that um most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need yeah i drink mine specifically when i am working out it's my beverage while i'm working out i just take one stick of the hydrate mix it in with my bottle of water 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there they also have the all-in-one shakes which i absolutely love i'm running low so i gotta get some more but um i love the chocolate bliss the vanilla cream the caramel sundae i have all three of those flavors sometimes i mix and match them sometimes i'll use it when i'm baking or i'll just drink it straight and it is they're so good they have a triplex protein blend plant-based proteins that include pea brown rice and pumpkin that makes it so delicious you can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy, delicious shake. And they also have 310's four shake flavor starter kit, which lets you sample all the flavors for only $9. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code Blame Me right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code blame me. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about book of the month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available and I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like, <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is it's kind of like a a straight shot into that and something that book of the month 
you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress. And as well, there are reading challenges and rewards. And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, wait, this I like all of them this is hard and I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like okay so these are like my top ones I'm assuming they will be yours so don't pick the same one as me so then we can swap afterwards and that's what we did so we got the ministry of time by Killian Bradley and we also received the return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean the ministry of time is like people are calling it like if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books it's quoted from town and country saying it's really innovative fun storytelling the ministry of time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must-read books for spring 2024 and then harper's bazaar also said part time travel romance part spy thriller and 100 percent multifaceted joyride <gasps> when i tell you that i was like sold we're also excited about the return of ellie black and this one is about a missing girl who returns but that isn't the end of the story it's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since, Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. we're back i like that thank you if only there was a video people could see me whip my neck all right <laughs> hi megan and melissa my boyfriend 24 he him and i 19 she her just moved out of province a month ago to a small apartment for a fresh start and to work our apartment is tight very small kitchen small bathroom a one bedroom with an open concept living room it's tight, but it works fine for the two of us. Boyfriend wants his parents to come and visit us in our new town, which of course I am fine with, but now they're saying that they want to stay with us for their trip, potentially up to a week. I'm concerned we are going to be tripping over each other and very uncomfortable having two extra people sleeping in our living room or having to give up our room. No privacy either way. I've spent a little time with his parents and we get along, but we are not close. I feel like I'm wrong because they 
are his family. And due to a personal living situation, I spent a lot of time at their house prior to the move, but in boyfriend's upstairs apartment. So we never saw each other, plus lots of privacy. Boyfriend's parents also said that they would want to borrow our one car wall here, but he told them no. I think they're fine financially that they could afford a hotel, and we have friends offering a discount at a local one. Am I wrong for wanting privacy and hoping for a boundary there? I wouldn't want my parents living with us for a week. I agonize over this because I don't want there to be tension. And to be honest, I know boyfriend likes his personal space. So if he gets cranky with them being here, I'm not going to be sympathetic. Thank you. Love both podcasts. Uh, No, you're not wrong at all in this situation. I have my, I call her my big sister. She and her husband and son and uh, her nephew will be here in Los Angeles in a month. I live in a pretty spacious, you know, three bedroom house, but one room's my office, one room's a gym. There's no room to put a pull out for full. I mean, like my couch doesn't pull out. There's no place where I can put like a blow up mattress anywhere either. Also, there's one shower like in the same way that there is for you. And I told them that they should stay somewhere else because I also work out of here. And I just, one bedroom, very small, open space. Uh uh-uh, uh, that's not enough for people. And then they want to borrow your car too. Like, where are they going? I mean, are you sure they're there to visit you? Like, do they have something else to do? Like, do they know it's a one bedroom? Like, because to me, I'm like, that is so illogical. That would be difficult for everyone. Not just that, but they're kicking them out of their bedroom because then the parents would stay in their bedroom and they're going to sleep like in the living room. Yeah. Like, do they know how small it is? Like, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think like I would have an honest conversation with your boyfriend because you you don't know the financial like situation of it. And if their financial situation is like super tight, I think a compromise that you know is not super fun, but is a compromise would be you can stay here and we're going to we're going to take the hotel of like the discount that our friends have or we're going to crash at like a friend's apartment or or we're going to get a hotel for like just us two or something or if you or have the pay for them to stay you, at the yeah. hotel if you can if you can or, or do that and so like i think that there it's really important to establish boundaries like this like ahead of time because the first time you do it, it beca- it becomes like what's normal and what's expected. And one of the things that like I'm really glad that Mats was like heard me on, which is like the first time we ever went to go visit his parents, I was like, can we get a hotel room? Like, I mean, there is one, there's two bathrooms, but upstairs is where all the bedrooms are. And so his brother and his wife would be stayed there before they had a kid and then his parents. And I'm like, I have IBS. I have digestion issues. Like we're also like still like relatively newly dating. I don't know your family that well. And that's like just not something I feel comfortable with. And I'm not going to be my best self. And like sometimes like there's too lot of noises and I need to retreat to like my own privacy. And like when I'm overstimulated, I don't like who I am. And I don't Mm want to be stuck with people that I am like actively trying to impress or I don't have like a longstanding relationship with. And like we've since like stayed at his parents' house and it's totally fine now. And like but it's just a matter of like the comfort level. And I'm really glad that we had that 
established ahead of time. And even like my dad and my aunt want to come visit the house where we're at. And like, we have one and a half bathrooms. We don't have, we want to convert something to be like an additional like guest suite kind of thing, but we don't have that right now. And so Mats and I both were like, we'll pay for a hotel when they come to visit to do that. And I think that like boundaries are, are always like the most important thing. And sometimes like there are things that get in the way of like being able to do what you want to do, whether that's like a financial situation or something, but that's not about compromise. You don't have to compromise boundaries in those things. Like you can have compromises that don't involve compromising your boundaries. And I just want to know why they're visiting because like, why do they also need your, the car? Maybe they live in like Los Angeles and well, they said they moved out of Providence, but where maybe they live in like a touristy city and the parents are coming to visit, but they're staying with them, but they're doing the touristy stuff on their own. Yeah. I just, yeah. Even when I went home from my mom's graduation, her brothers and cousins stayed at the house too. And I mean, there was bedrooms for everybody, but I just felt like it was too much going on. And so I left and stayed with my sister for the nights that they were there because it just, it was too much for me. Yeah, you can't be off. Like mm-hmm. it feels like you're always on and like you don't really fully relax. And that's like a, yeah. especially if they're there for more than just like a weekend, like you're taught, like anytime someone comes to visit, like you're hosting, you're entertaining and like yeah. that's exhausting. And then when you can't then go home to kind of decompress and recuperate, like you just burn out. Mm-hmm. And then you snap at people you don't want to snap at. Exactly. And I need my alone time. Yeah. Boundaries benefit everybody. So it's not just for you. Just know that like when you're setting those boundaries, that's also benefiting them. Andrew. Even if they don't realize it. Mm-hmm. So you're not wrong at all. Hello, Megan, Melissa and team. I'm having some ongoing drama with my in-laws. To give a Cliff Notes version of a super long story, I started working for my in-laws during the beginning of COVID because I was extremely burnt out from my job of 10 years. I'd also been battling postpartum depression during this time, which ultimately led to my decision to leave my long-term job. Working for my in-laws ended up being the worst decision of my life for many reasons, but the primary reason was that I saw them in an entirely new light and felt extremely taken advantage of, and I decided to no longer work with them for my own sanity slash mental health and my little family, my husband, daughter, and I. It has been about six months since leaving my position with them, but I recently gained some information from other family members. My in-laws seem to believe that my mental health and struggles with depression rubbed off onto another family member and I, quote unquote, brought them down with me. After hearing this, I no longer want to have a relationship with them, but I also don't want our daughter to miss out on having grandparents in her life. I... 1,000% take responsibility for making the decision to work for them. And I can admit that it was a dumb decision, but given the state I was in mentally, the opportunity sounded perfect. I couldn't foresee it turning out the way it did. Am I wrong in this situation? Love the podcast and you both. You're not wrong at all for quitting. And you're also not wrong at all for working for them because of course, like we, times of desperation, you find solutions. And like, that's like, we do what we have to do. As my therapist say, like, not every coping mechanism is a healthy coping mechanism, but it's a coping mechanism. And like, we do what we have to do. Also, if the job is there, like yeah. sometimes you have to take the job. And sometimes it's just like, uh, it might not be a step forward, but it's a step to the side. And that's like the step that you need. And like, it's not going to continue on for long. And it's just so you get your footing. I do think you are wrong in the sense of wanting your kid to have a relationship with their grandparents. This is like, I say this over and over and over again. Like the only 
time that it is important for someone to have uh, a relationship with your kids is if you have a healthy relationship with that person. And if you don't and they don't respect you, kids are so much smarter than they like let on. And like they're sponges, like things affect them. And the thing that will affect them the most positively is having parents who are surrounded by people who love them and care about them and not people who like, I love the grandchild, but I don't like the parents. Like they're not missing out on anything because you can't miss out on a relationship that I don't want to say doesn't exist, but like, you know, the fantasy of something that like the, the, the concept of like grandparents and that close relationship. But if you don't have a good relationship with them and they are being very invalidating of like your mental health, like, is that someone you want in your kid's life? Like them with what they've given you and like how they've reacted. And it doesn't have to be a permanent thing, but I think like people need to earn being in other people's lives. And like, you don't get to treat me like shit, talk bad about behind my back and say that like my mental health rubbed off on someone. And then you don't get to like then turn around and want to have to get to have a relationship with my kid because like my kid is an extension of me. And like, you must, you need to respect me in order to have a relationship with my kid. You know, every kid had like a favorite set of grandparents (laughs) and that favorite set of grandparents, you'd be really hard pressed to find it was the grandparents who treated their kid worse. Like it just tends to be the happier one. And the one that you have a better relationship with is the one that's happier for everyone involved. Like, that's not this like tension filled thing where everyone's walking on eggshells. Like, I think that we if you had a family like that, or you like, you know, you know, the difference of what those those relationships feel like and like, not having one of those isn't missing out. And I also think, I don't know, I'm not really all about like the nuclear family being like the most important thing ever. And sometimes grandparents die really young. Sometimes people like never meet their grandparents. Like you only miss out on the relationship that currently like exists, not like the fantasy we build up in our heads. The thing is, children are very receptive to what's going on around them. And if your in-laws are treating you like shit, your kids are going to pick up on that. And they're not going to want to be around people that are treating you like shit if they, if you know, if you have a good relationship with your kids. And so they're going to be mean per se because a lot of kids don't have filters they're going to be mean to the grandparents and then the grandparents are going to blame you for that so if you're forcing your kid or forcing these people in your kid's life it's not going to be a good time for anyone so either they need to get their shit together and realize and be receptive to what's going on in your life and realize that you're going through not just like as a lot of people are doing, going through burnout, but on top of burnout, you're battling postpartum depression, which wreaks havoc on your hormones on top of that. And then them also just not just like people that don't realize how other people's mental health affects them and then blames and then they take and blame that on other people and say that you're bringing them down. And they also, didn't they, hold on, they said their depression rubbed off onto another family member. Yeah, postpartum depression is now contagious. No, like nothing about any type of depression is just like you're going to sneeze and it's an airborne disease and you breathing on them is going to cause them to have depression. 
Who's this other family member? Have they said anything to you about this? Or are the in-laws just making shit up because they're that's how they actually feel like you brought them down and they're trying to put the blame on someone else. But then again, is that somebody you want your kid to be around? And it's invalidating to that other person who's struggling with Mm -hmm. mental health. Like that's so invalidating. And yes, your grand, your kids will end up being mean to their grandparents, but also like kids mirror everything. Like you think about like you say one word, a kid say like says it, but they remember they pay attention. And that's what's like leading by example and you don't want the example you set for your kid of being like watching you be disrespected and being like, well, my mom's lets this happen. So then I can let this happen to me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what happens. Like, that's the generational trauma. Like, that's the thing that like sticks with us and is really hard to unlearn. And you as a parent, like, you know this. And I think as your kid gets older, you'll see this more. And like, I, I think I've become like a much more compassionate person to myself since like, my nephew has gotten a little bit older. Like my other nephews were like my age. So like we didn't have that same relationship. But like my other nephew, like I was doing a drawing and I was like, oh, I messed up. I should start over. And then the next time he did a drawing, he goes, I messed up. I'm starting over. And I was like, I hate that. Like, I'm not saying that again. And I was like, no, you know what? That was not nice of me to say that about myself. Like I didn't mess up. It just looks a little different. Like, let's change this. Mm -hmm. And you just see it like you literally see it right before your eyes. And I don't know how old your kid is. But when you can see how receptive they are to just little things like that, like your tone about something, when you're talking about yourself, like they pick up on how other people treat each other too. And so it doesn't benefit them in the way that you think. It's this fantasy of what like grandparents are supposed to be, but that's not the current grandparents that your kid has. And until they can mend the relationship with you and like you feel it's like very sincere and earnest and like you've earned their trust, they've earned your trust back and they've like taken the initiative to like learn about mental health and are like actively educating themselves and like correcting their previous like incorrect beliefs that they were holding. They don't get the privilege of like being in your kid's life because they're not going to bring anything positive to it. Mm -hmm. This makes me so mad for you. Like open up a fucking textbook. Yeah. (sighs) All right. Now it's time for the next segment of our podcast called, but are they wrong? AKA Rachel of the week. And this is where, as Megan said in the beginning of the show, where we pick something that's happening in pop culture, just out in life and uh, point our finger at someone that's been, been bad this week. Okay. So for this week, my choice is a famed writer in quotation marks, James Patterson. <laughs> Alleged writer, James Patterson. Is that how you uh-huh. say it, Patterson? Yeah. Anyway, he's racist. He said that white men can't get jobs as writers. Here's a quote. What's that all about? Can you get a job? Yes. Is it harder? Yes. It's even harder for older writers. You don't meet many 52-year-old white males. But this isn't true at all. Major publisher who I work a lot with, Penguin Random House, had a survey from 2019 to 2021 um, where they did a self-audit of themselves, you know, realizing how wrong that they were. And they found that 74.9% of its writers during that period were white, only 6% were black, 5% were Hispanic or, or Latinx. And the publisher's employees also skewed heavily white. 
making up 74.2% of its workforce, which is actually part of the reason why I got hired to come work in direct audiobooks for them. He also was mad that Woody Allen got his publishing deal taken away. And he said, quote, I hated that, that the publishing house pulling Allen's book, he has the right to tell his own story. A man that makes movies doesn't have a platform to tell his own story. A man that has access to the internet doesn't have, like there are places that he can tell his story and he has been telling his story for years, but that doesn't mean a book has to depict him writing it. Also, the New York Times had its own data that said that in 2020, the New York Times compiled its own data to determine just how white the publishing industry is. And in their sample, 89% of books written in 2018 were by white authors. And a 2019 survey also found that 85% of the people who acquire and edit books are white. Also, alleged writer James Patterson doesn't even write a lot of his books. He has over 300 books, which, you know, that seems very unreal for someone that would be writing, you know, quality books and has made a fortune off of it. But since it sounds like too many, he is a brand manager as an author. And so what he does is that he'll take on lesser known writers and get their books published. But puts his name on it as if he wrote the book, which I've heard like in the romance novel world that does happen a lot. But that's also a lot of people using pen names Mm -hmm. under a thing. But he puts his own name on it. So James Patterson, racist, sexist, go away. Also, he wrote the Alex, quote unquote, wrote the Alex Cross books, which is a Black character. And he said... I would not have tried to write a serious saga about a Black family. It's different in a detective book because the plot is so important. So plot in a book about a Black family is important. I don't want you writing Black family stories as it is, but like, why did you have to say that? And also you've in the movies, Tyler Perry plays Alex Cross as well. And so it's just like, you're making not only off the books are you making money, but this also got turned into a film that you're making money off of it and you're benefiting from black people. But you're a racist. Go away. Go a fucking way. <laughs> I agree. And I saw this tweet that said, for anyone who doesn't know, James Patterson launched a children's imprint that published many diverse works, then up and decided one day it would only publish his own works. His whole white authors are suffering thing comes after the I want to profit off of diversity thing. It's just like here's the thing statistically like you're actually just like so factually wrong and if you want to go into like any area like you want to go to like movie writers you want to go to tv writers like no it's all still predominantly like white men like you have managed to like be like the absolute king of this shit like you've like Mm -hmm. you've reaped all this fucking shit in and you have like a wide like a huge audience you have all this fucking money and you can't just like stay quiet as you scam you must scam and then loudly spew like sexist racist like absolute bullshit why can't you just like take your fucking dirty money check and like shut the fuck up because he can't because he can't like dudes can't help themselves because they like to be the center of everybody's world yep he's also working with dolly parton which i know i was looking forward to and now i will not be supporting it i would be very shocked if she doesn't come out with something because I don't hold anyone to like a very high standard of like 
like everyone's like, if Tom Hanks, like I'd be devastated. I am not disappointed. I no longer, I refuse to be surprised by white men. Like that's just, I will never, I will never be surprised. Dolly Parton is like the person who like, I would be shocked. I think I would Mm -hmm. have to like, I would have to be like, it was invasion of the body snatchers. She has been, this is not, this is not her. (laughs) Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's the only stand culture I might have to just turn a blind eye to, but I would be, yeah, I'm really, I'm disappointed too because I literally have never once in my life had any desire to read anything that he had ever done. And Dolly's book was like the one thing that I was like, actually like, oh, I want to read this. I'm looking forward to this. And not now. Just what an idiot. They always show their colors though. They always do. Loud, loud and wrong and just racist. It sucks, man. Fucking sucks. All right. So my uh, wrong of the week, I would like to nominate Deep Hollow Ranch. So this is about their response to Remy Bader. Remy Bader is an influencer. She is like a plus size influencer. She has a clothing line with Revolve, which has been heavily criticized from the plus size community as not being super inclusive, considering Revolve, it's not very inclusive. But a lot of her content has been about like honest reviews of different clothing of what it's like on her body type and like what the models look like versus like what she wears it as and like how these things are. Some clothes are just not made in proportionally wise, just all of the stuff. So she does a lot of content and is very open and honest. The One of the TikTok I saw from her kind of recently was about how she was pursuing treatment for her binge eating disorder and has been like very forthcoming about not self-identifying as like a body positive role model, but just being a person in a bigger body who just exists on the internet, which is a struggle that I don't personally know. But like from a viewer standpoint, like just the fucking shit that people deal with is horrific. And this being probably one of the most horrific things I've ever seen. So she was on like a trip in Montauk, New York, and it was with a group of people. I'm not sure if it was a branded trip. I would be really curious. I've been trying to deep dive. I will deep dive more. And if I find out, I will update. But part of this like event trip thing that they were going on, whether it was just friends or it was like fellow influencers and it was a sponsored branded trip, was that they went to a deep hollow ranch where it's like you ride horses. And she made a video basically being like, when you aren't allowed to ride the horses because they don't advertise like a weight limit. And so everybody else stays to ride horses and I have to go home by myself. And she was like, do better. I understand that like the health of horses needs to be prioritized, but like there's a way to advertise this on like your website ahead of time. First of all, hot take. I think I've said this before. Did we ask horses if they want to be ridden? I love animals so much, but people who are like, if something is so fat, like, well, we don't want like anyone who is in a bigger body, like you are going to like seriously like harm this horse, blah, blah, blah. Like, why why are we even doing this like in in general and then deciding that like, oh, only smaller bodied people can do this when there is like a percentage of a horse's weight of what weight they can then carry. And there are horses that can carry pretty much any weight size of humans. Like that's mm-hmm. just what it is. And so if you're going to have a fucking ranch that has horses and you're only going to have horses that, carry up to a certain weight. That's not inclusive. If you're not going to be inclusive to everyone, then no, don't do it at all. Do ponies. It's only for children. Like, but the idea that like you're going to turn away a person because you don't have a horse that can, that, that, uh, it can safely do that. Another big thing that was brought up that people are like, do they do that to big buff men? 
Like, is that something like there's a lot of time scales at these places that you have to step on and get weighed in front of everybody before you can do this when there needs to be things ahead of time. So you people don't have to endure that if that's not something they're comfortable with. But the icing on the fucking cake is after she made that video where she explicitly said, like, I'm not saying that I want them to compromise the horse's safety at all. But like, please just put that stuff online. Like that is something that I, as a bigger bodied person, like look for so I can avoid these things and I can avoid like the personal shame and embarrassment that I felt like leaving and not being able to do this. I'm just going to play the audio for you of the owner of Deep Hollow Ranch's son and the TikTok stitch that he made. When you're not a fat bitch, you can ride a deep hollow ranch. Why? You hateful, fat phobic piece of shit. The Google reviews of this place have tanked. The Yelp reviews of this place have tanked. They've had to remove their social media from everything and everywhere. And you know whose fault that is? Yours, sir. Mm -hmm. Yours. Yours. This is not cancel culture. This is a fact that you are you are a ranch in Montauk where the vast majority of people who are going to Montauk, it's a if you're not familiar, it's like upstate New York, very rich, very oh, wealthy know. summer, but not you. I mean I meant the audience, oh. like summer vacation kind of place. You're getting a lot of very wealthy, very thin white women who are going to this, these things. It's very Gwyneth Peltro, very goop. And so someone's gonna shine a light on how you are not inclusive and how how you can fix it. And instead your response is this. So it's not like, a, oh, this was an oversight. No, no, this was an intentional. Mm -hmm. This was us being intentionally fat phobic. And here I am upholding my fat phobic beliefs and then basically whining and crying and complaining about like how they have been canceled and how like her army has gone after them and all of this shit is just like so fucking infuriating. I'm also so mad about whoever was there with her that like, didn't leave with her like that like literally right. like chokes me up to like think about she's like I think around my age and I would I would hope that if I was like I know now today that I would never let a friend like go through that but like I would so hope that like when I was younger I also wouldn't have felt like uncomfortable or embarrassed and this must have been so hard for her to post but like as helpful and as like seen as I'm sure so many like bigger bodied like young young people are seeing this I also really hope that like thin people see this and are able to make sure that they are not one of these they are not complicit in this shit because like mm -hmm. yes he is the one at fault why did the friends continue or a brand there like there were all of those other things there and like I think it's just really important to like recognize how like you don't have to be the loudest most offensive one there to contribute to like these systemic like horrific issues that contribute to other people's trauma like you could just be a bystander in this and like that is who keeps going with the program yeah and that just like makes me so upset and influencer culture as a whole is just it's not inclusive. It's not racially inclusive and it's not like body inclusive at all. And like I as a thin white woman feel so uncomfortable at like influencer events and everybody also looks like me. And like when you add on the fact that like it's not just about social anxiety, but like the true discrimination and like not being inclusive is like such a bigger issue that like when we don't make those spaces inclusive, then we don't give people, we only give one person what they look like the opportunities to succeed because no one wants to be in an environment where they are, they feel so othered then. And it's like this constant mm -hmm. system of this is why we keep pumping out skinny white girls doing this like over and over and over again, because we don't, we're not fixing any part of this like never ending cycle. And this just like makes me so mad and 
the shit that she's endured from the stuff that I've read and like it's like really horrific and she's had some like quotes about talking about how like she's never called herself like a body positive activist and she goes but people see a fat person and think that like my existence is brave and like Mm -hmm. that's really hurtful and like really hard because I didn't claim to be that and you just seeing me and thinking that by existing I'm being brave like that's a really that's a really horrific thing yeah that's why Nicole Byer says that all the time like that's her hashtag of combating that she has a hashtag that says hashtag very fat hashtag very brave and I think that's what she named her book as well something similar to it yeah so this is just trash 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 and absolutely horrific if you can't be inclusive don't do it at all Mm -hmm. and if it's about the safety of animals also what about the safety of the like people the emotional safety and like no like it's just bullshit Mm-hmm. <sighs> fuck them okay that is it for our episode all right we hope you all enjoy uh, if you want to write in again but am i wrong pod at gmail.com under 300 words make sure to go vote on the instagram account so you can say who you thought was wrong in the situations we presented in this episode if you are voting in like the vastly unpopular opinion let us know why like let us know what your thought process is or if you vote wrong also let us know like oops my be voted wrong a new review mm-hmm. are we in trouble i don't think so all okay, right let's see okay uh, <laughs> this is from l g o t t i l i e b nine my go-to hosts witty engaging and entertainment five stars Megan and Melissa spelled our names right. So bonus points always strike the perfect balance of being entertaining and cause driven. And I love hearing their behind the scenes banter. It is clear how genuine they are with their audience. I've listened to every episode. The podcast is uniquely interactive. And as a listener, this keeps me engaged and wanting more. I always look forward to Thursdays and love hearing their perspective on listeners calls, current events and personal antidotes they both share the combo of laughter and social justice topics that intentionally provoke the listeners thoughts is the perfect balance especially during the difficult few years we have had the community they've created is one i know i align with morally and i know if i meet someone in real life who listened to their podcast that we'd share a lot of the same core values that says so much about these two 100% recommend, as well as their other podcasts, Don't Blame Me. I also want to shout out the the behind-the-scenes work that goes into producing these each week. I'm sorry. That's like we paid someone to write, like, the perfect (laughs) review. That's so nice. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. That's, like, truly, we talk about that all the time, that, like, we sometimes echo chambers are great, and, like, we love that we've been able to, like, foster a community that is not only aligns with us and like constantly like teaches us and like helps us become better. Like it's a a lot of accountability, but also knowing that followers and listeners of the show become friends with other like listeners. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of like a, oh, you passed the background check kind of thing of being like, I can let my guard down and immediately start getting to know you because like we share something that's encompasses like our core values. values. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh my gosh, we didn't even pay anyone to write that. You know, like we don't have the money to pay anyone. No, we to write. we I really really don't. <laughs> Speaking of, again, let us know if we should be doing videos on Patreon and if you would be paying to watch this. So, a dollar? Maybe we should just put it up and see. Can't you do it like once it hits this then that's when you'll start doing it? Oh yeah. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah. We'll we'll create a link 
So check it out. You can also just contribute if you would like us to keep making the show in general. Thank you. And anything else or are we good? We're good. Okay. We will circle back next week. Goodbye. Stunning. Celine Dion. (laughs) Thank you. I have range. (sighs) But Am I Wrong is a production by me, Megan Rinks. And me, Melissa DeMonts, plus Diamond Imprint Productions. Post-production by Coco Lorenz. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson.